Coming up, I'm going to teach you how to boost your influence with just one word. And then more colleges are closing despite the top schools increasing applicants. We'll break the whole situation down and we're going to coach you up. Helping you win at work and in life. This is the Ken Coleman Show. All right, everybody wants to make a difference in this world. And a lot of people want more influence. Not on everybody, so I know that, but a lot of you would love to have more influence. If I could just grab the Ken Coleman Show pencil and say, here's more influence. Poof. You'd go, I'm in. Right? Now the term social media influencer, people have large followings, is a big deal, a part of our everyday language. But we all want to make a difference. And some of us, or I'd say a large portion of people, want more influence for the right reasons to make a difference. Some of you want more influence to make more money. I'm not going to begrudge you, but I'm going to teach you how to boost your influence. And it's a very simple strategy. It doesn't involve seven steps. It doesn't involve a bunch of upfront investment of financial resources. In a word, the way to boost your influence is to give. To give. Three things you can give that will boost your influence. The first is your time, serving others um, in a volunteer capacity, serving coworkers, serving your leader above and beyond what you're normally doing. This is just, I've got time. I'll give you some extra time. Okay. The second is your expertise. Right. You can give of your expertise. We shared the story last week of a uh, nurse who, in studying for her nurse boards, began to share her notes, her study notes. That is a form of her giving her expertise. She was saying, this is how I study for the exam. These are my study sheets. And they went bananas, and now she makes over a million dollars a year. So, expertise, knowledge, skill. And then the third is our resources, and what we're talking about here is financial. Our financial resources. If I give my time, my expertise, and my resources on a consistent basis, I'm looking for opportunities to give one or all three of those things, I can guarantee you your influence will increase. You just will. Here's why. When I'm giving, I'm building connection and I'm building trust. When I give, you just think of that. I I am connecting with a human being. I am meeting them in a place of need. So therefore, a connection is established really quickly. It it, it may not be super deep, but it is a connection. I mean, you just think about helping uh, someone in a grocery store. You know, they drop all their stuff and you lean over and you just pick it up. And they're like, thank you very much. In that moment, there's a connection. Will they remember you five years from now? No, maybe they will, but most likely no. But there's a connection that day, that moment, that go and tell somebody, nicest person helped me in the grocery store today. Or in telling the story, someone's, oh my gosh, did anybody help you? You're like, oh yeah, this nice lady 
or nice man stopped and helped. A connection is made, but then there's something else. If we continue to give, trust is built. Now the one-off, there's a connection only. But when we are consistently giving of our time, our expertise, our resources to people, trust is built. And thus, influence can now take place and be boosted. In other words, I could say it this way. I wrote it down on my notes. No one will let you influence them without a connection or trust. So if you want to influence anybody, you better learn how to connect with them. You better learn how to develop trust with them. Now, when those two things take place, they there's a real connection, a human-to-human connection. Essentially, we could say like you. That's another way of saying this. When they like you and when they trust you, guess what? They'll follow you. When they like you and when they trust you, they will believe you. It's fascinating, isn't it? This is true of parenting, by the way. Even though our kids are our kids, they they struggle with parental influence. And so you've got to connect to their heart where they like the idea They like the solution. And then as a result, they'll trust. So that's the shade of difference there in parenting. The point is, is that when I make a connection and someone likes me because I have given something to them without asking anything in return, I am just giving my expertise, my service through time, my resources through money. Then, and only then, can you truly have influence. Um, a couple quick examples, you know, give people at work your lunch hour, eat, you know, if you like eating alone or, or give of people in your community through a dinner or a breakfast or a coffee, your time. That's what we're talking about. Um, give a recommendation, give a reference, things like this build influence. Now here's what's really fun about boosting the influence. When you begin to give and give and give and as a result get influence, that's the return on influence. Because when you get influence, guess what you get? Joy and fulfillment. When you influence somebody in a positive way, it's hard to describe how good that feels, isn't it? There's there's a certain sense of personal joy and fulfillment. I influenced someone to do something good. Do you also know that when you are influencing people, you get knowledge? I know that when I'm preparing to teach every day on the show or to write a book or to speak at an event or teach a webinar or whatever, in my desire to influence others, I always come away with some great knowledge. And then finally, you make meaningful connections. When you see that person on the other end of your influence, we were just out in Austin, Texas last week and spoke and then went out in the lobby and met people 
stood in line for an hour and took pictures and signed books and high five people. There were some hugs. And I may never meet some of those people again, but in those brief moments, eye to eye, them talking to me, me talking back to them, and them sharing what influence I've been able to have, there's a connection between us. And I walk away so fulfilled, realizing that I've been able to influence someone in a positive way. Isn't that what we all want? That's that contribution. More influence means more contribution. Boost your influence by giving more every day. Your time, your resources, and your experience. Thank you all so very much for watching and listening. If you're watching on YouTube and you enjoy this program, it's adding value to you. Would you help me spread the word? We'd love for you to subscribe and share an episode or a clip. If you're listening on your favorite podcast app, love for you to give us a follow and a five-star review and share. You are the connection between this show and maybe somebody who's feeling stuck and lost and the clear path for them forward to live the life that they want to live. So help us grow and reach new people by doing that. I would be forever grateful. Uh, Okay. I said it was going to happen. And I don't remember the last time I said it on this show, but I said it. A CNBC article I hold in my hands here. uh, More colleges set to close, even as the top schools experience an application boom. So I'm going to talk about how we got here in a minute, but let me just set this scene. More colleges are set to close in 2023. Um, They go through a list of some smaller colleges that have had to close. And this is a result of fewer students. And as a result of that, a fewer students applying and going to school and less tuition revenue. And this is since the start of the pandemic. And it's been severe. This is according to Kristen Reynolds, a leader of NEPC's endowments and foundations practice. The number of colleges closing down in the past 10 years has quadrupled compared to the previous decade. This is according to a report from the Wall Street Journal. Smaller institutions are struggling as students opt for less expensive public schools or alternatives to the four-year degree altogether. Ding, ding, ding. That's a big reason why this is happening. Colleges didn't have any competition for a long time, and now they do. Not only do they have competition, they're having a hard time coming up with a compelling narrative as to why students would pay the amount of money to come get their degree. And this couldn't be any more obvious when you look at a small group of universities, including many in the Ivy League, experienced record-breaking increase in applications this season. So college enrollment with community colleges and four-year colleges is down across the board except for a very small group of elite name-brand schools. 
People are still buying Nikes, aren't they? Oh, yeah. It's the name brand. The branding matters to a whole lot of people. There's a reason why people won't go to pay less shoes. Some will. A lot of people won't. They want to go buy the name brand shoes. These girls and women walking around with these, what do they call them, golden gooses? Or I've got that wrong. Somebody tell me I said that wrong, but it's something goose. And they're all scuffed up, and they look like they've been beat to death. What's the name of that shoe? No, no, it's goose something. But the point is, it's hot. It's the hottest brand. My daughter comes to me and says, Dad, I want a pair of these whatever goose things. Oh, don't worry about it, guys. Either look it up or don't guess. It doesn't matter. The point is, is this. My daughter comes to me and says, I want a pair of these. Thank you. Golden Goose. I was right. They're $600, Alex. And look at them. Looks like somebody took some steel wool to them. Scuffed them up. Stained them up. These are all the rage, Alex. Or at least they have been for the last two years. And I mean, $600. And I'm going to offend somebody, but these shoes are ugly. Uh, I'll tell you what. Why don't you go get a pair of shoes from Payless and pay me $50. I'll scuff them up for you. How about that? So you're going to walk out of this deal with a $70 pair of shoes and tell everybody they're cool. I wouldn't wear those shoes. There they are. Look at them. They're ugly. There's nothing special about those shoes. Look at the stars all jacked up. Like, what's wrong with the star? The tip of the star is jacked up. I hate these shoes. I got nothing personal against them. They're ugly. But it doesn't matter. You know why? Because somewhere along the line, they hit the trend. They became desired. Everybody wanted them because they were the hottest thing out there. And so it became a status symbol to pay, overpay for ugly, scuffed up, dirty shoes. It's fascinating. It's the human psyche on display. Why would you why would you overpay for ugly scuffed up shoes? Because you want everybody to know that you're hip and that you got money and you're whatever, whatever, whatever. By the way, spare me the hate, because ain't no woman in the world can tell me those shoes are comfortable. I don't buy it. Well, that's what's going on with these Ivy League or these prestigious schools. Anybody that's not emotionally charged, can look at them and go, they're overpriced. But I'm going to pay because it's not about the value I'm getting. It's about the status. I'm just telling you, that's what's going on. It's not worth it. For brand-name colleges, the demand is off the charts, says Hafiz Lakani, founder and president of Lakani Coaching in New York. He says it's never been harder to get in. On the other hand, private colleges that are less prestigious but equally expensive are struggling to attract applicants. So the majority of people are going to say, is that worth my while? And people are saying no. But for whatever reason, Ivy League, you pick a handful of other really sexy schools like Stanford, Duke, I don't know, I don't know, Vanderbilt, certainly here in Nashville, you know, they got it. They got some luster. They got the brand sheen, like the Golden Goose ugly shoes. Everybody wants them. Everybody wants to be seen wearing them. So that's why Ivy League and their fat endowments are bursting at the seams. Can't get in. 
harder than ever. But other schools are facing extinction. Costs are still rising. At some point, we the people have got to say enough is enough. And and it's only going to take a matter of time before enough people wake up to something I've been saying every day on this show, which is that uh, colleges are overpriced. They're overrated. And it's only going to be a matter of time before the general population wakes up to this. And there'll always be business for Ivy Leagues because there's always business for Louis Vuitton in the mall. Tuition and fees plus room and board for a four-year private college average, listen to this, $53,430 in the 2022-2023 school year. At four-year in-state public colleges, it was $23,250, according to College Board. These are state schools, taxpayer-funded schools. $23,000. It's a racket. It's a complete racket and ripoff. A revolution is coming. They don't even see it either. Or they may see it, and they don't care because they're lining their pockets. Bethel Tech. I just talked to Ryan Collins, who's been on the show multiple times, BethelTech.net, big-time partner of the Ken Coleman Show. Nine-month program, $15,000, placing people at $70,000, $75,000 a year. They're now getting into other areas of training. There's all kinds of competition for Bethel Tech. Trade schools, non-traditional trade schools, opportunities for people, companies just going, look, we're Google. We're going to train you. This is the wave that is not going to stop coming in. The first wave is through. There's a whole bunch of ways behind it. Companies of the future will be going to find good quality people and they will train them up within the walls Colleges and universities, if they don't dramatically change course, are going to be extinct. I'm here to tell you. They can't keep it up. The value proposition isn't there. Your Ivy Leaguers will. But there's a reason why you got your discount Old Navy and then you got your polo stores. The people in the middle are the ones that lose. You're either discount or you're luxury. If you can't provide luxury value or big-time discount value... You're not going to last. And that goes for higher education as well. Mark my words. Folks, you can, in fact, discover the work that you were born to do, you really can. And you can get there and do it and actually enjoy a Monday morning and roll into Friday night going, man, it was a good week. I loved it. And I made some good money. And uh, But it's intimidating. And that's why I created my signature tool that unpacks the methodology that you hear me talk about on the show all the time. You're on purpose if you're using what you do best to do what you love to produce results that matter to you. I'll say it again. When you use what you do best to do what you love to produce results that matter to you, you're a happy camper. And the money's enough. I'm just telling you. It's good, but it's enough. And that's why I created the Get Clear Career Assessment. It's a 15-minute 
process. We ask the questions. All you got to do is open your heart and just answer. Going to get customized results that clarify what your top talents are, passions, in other words, work you love, and then missional results, what motivates you. When you can figure out all three of those and how they work together, game-changing clarity and confidence happens. Um, to get started, go to kencoleman.com slash assessment, kencoleman.com slash assessment. All right, um, for those of you who don't want to call in on the show, you can send us an email or you can ask a question in the YouTube comments. Uh, and so we've got some of those questions today. The email address is ask at kencoleman.com. We like to call it Ken's Electronic Mail. And uh, do we have that old sounder, Joe? Let's do that. That's not the electronic mail, but that's all right. We have the old AOL sound. There it is. Ken's electronic mail. You've got mail. Now, some people are young enough that they don't even know what that sound is, but that's the original AOL sound that Joe snipped off somehow because he's so talented. And uh, so you can send us an email, or in other words, an electronic mail. Ask at KenColma.com or comment in the YouTube section. All right, here we go. This is from Alan. He says, my wife is currently looking for a new job, but wants to know if she needs to list her current employer on the updated resume. Her boss is very toxic and verbally abusive, and she really wants out, but is scared that new employers will call her boss to question performance. This is a tough one. This is a tough one. And I don't think there's an easy fix to this, Alan, because if she doesn't list her current job and they check her references, they're going to immediately see that there's a gap. Okay. Between when she left that job and then how long she's been in this current job where the boss is toxic. So that creates all kinds of questions. And all of a sudden it looks like she's trying to hide something. Not good. Not good at all. Um, and yet I also understand the fear that if I list this guy down and he's mad because I leave and he trashes me, um, then I get that too, which is why you cannot be totally reliant on just a resume and references. You got to be prepared and crush the interview. You got to have some strong personal connections in this case to where somebody you know, and hopefully multiple somebodies, either work there or know the hiring manager and can say, Alan, I'm recommending your wife, your wife's name. I'm recommending, let's say her name is Susan. I'm recommending Susan because I know her and she's in a very unhealthy environment. That comes across totally different. But what she's got to do is, is she's got to be honest. You got to be honest and you got to put it down. If it's get a bad reference, you just say, look, this is not a healthy environment over there. And I can give you a couple of other references in the building. So what I would do is, is I would list the current job and I would actually not give the current boss. I would give um, some coworkers or some other managers in the building that can speak to her performance in a positive way if possible. But this is a tough situation. But again, you overcome that with this personal relationship thing. Then it doesn't look gossipy because someone else is speaking up for you on your behalf. All right, next question from Beth. I've been with a company six years in various positions. Virtually none of my connections are from outside of this company. My previous work experience 
is from a company who went out of business. I am a nobody out there if I wanted to find a new job. So she's essentially saying she's a ghost, which she's not. I don't know anyone or have contacts or any credible history from anywhere else. How do I get off this island? I put myself on a road towards a new job. Okay, I love this. I love the imagery. Look, um, you know a lot of people through the people you've been working with for six years. So start there. You're not on an island. You also act like you've never lived anywhere. You've lived in the same place for six years. You act like you're not on social media. Maybe you're not, but you know people who are. You know a lot more people than you realize, and that's where we're going to go to get off the island. Um, <clears throat> let's see here. This is a long one here. How much time do I have? I got some time. Krista says, my husband turned 65 in November of 2022, and at the end of January 2023, his employer gave him notice that his job is being outsourced to India. He's incredibly smart and talented and has been looked over his entire career in IT project management. He has applied throughout his career for director positions for companies he has worked for or wanted to work for. Each time he hears he does such a great job being a project manager promotions, Oh, he does such a great job being a project manager and the promotions go someone else. He's frustrated and depressed that he doesn't get the opportunities to do um, and neither of us understand why he keeps getting passed over. And, and there is a reason why. I don't know. But when someone is applying, as your husband has, for multiple promotions and every time, or at least a lot of the times, the pattern is you do such a great job. You're really doing great, but we're going to give it to somebody else. They just think somebody else is better qualified. They just do, and he's missing something. I don't know what, but the pattern in this case is not the company's. The pattern is him. So we've got some self-awareness issues. We really do. We've got to we got to get some feedback, maybe some 360 feedback from other people so that your husband gets a really a good idea of what he's missing because something's up. Um, the question goes on. He's young at heart. Um, and we don't have enough money in savings to fully retire. He needs to keep working. He's so overqualified for most of the jobs he's applying for and is competing with 30-year-olds who work cheaper. What is your advice to older people who have run out of time and are coming into their useful work life? Well, number one, he hasn't run out of time. Um, and But he's going to have to, again, really rely on relationships to stand out. Okay? And... Bottom line is, if he's applying for jobs that pay way less, then he may have to create some job opportunities or he may have to do something he's never done before. And here's what I would tell you. He may be competing a bunch of younger, cheaper people in IT project management, but an IT project manager is still a project manager. And a project manager is somebody who is very, very gifted and very, very valuable in a variety of roles. And so what I would do is I'd look for some small businesses that don't care how old he is because they're just looking for somebody quality, high character, and somebody they can trust, and his age isn't going to freak him out. And it may not be an IT job, but it doesn't have to be. He's done project management in IT, which means he can do project management in a whole host of other areas. He brings so much to the table. He could manage. He could be in operations. There's so many things that spin out of that. So he starts looking in different places, and again, leveraging our personal relationships and he might find a great small company, small business that's crushing it and needs a mature person to come in that they can rely on and have another five, seven good years of earning. 
So that's where I'd like to see him head. So, you know, this idea that I'm too old and that I don't have enough time left, that's a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I'm just telling you, small businesses are dying because they can't get quality people in. And a project manager is really, really valuable. So the exercise for anybody else that's in this situation, you feel like, well, I'm old, I'm getting pushed out, or I was pushed out. You have skills and you have experience. And you go looking in the right places and you're willing to transfer that skill and experience to people who really need you. They don't care about your age. Be happy to have you. Hey, remember this. You matter. You have what it takes. Press on. Thanks for listening to The Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.